Welcome to Swarupa Vidya Ashram. My name is Swami Nirmalananda. Each audio is a discourse that I offered at a satsang, a free meditation program, and was followed by meditation. These teachings address the underlying questions of life. Who am I? Why am I here? How do I do what I came here to do? I went to my guru with these same questions. While he gave me the teachings I share here, most importantly, he gave me the inner experience they describe. This is why I teach, to share the same with you, both the theory and the inner experience of your own inherent divinity. The bliss of consciousness is your birthright. Meditate and discover that you are greater than you could ever imagine. Om Namah Shivaya Gurave Satchidananda Murtaye Nishprapanchaya Shantaya Niralambaya Tejase Muktanandaya Gurave Shisha Samsara Harane Bhagdakaya Ikade Haya Namaste Chitsaratmane Heja Veja Gatameva Samsara Nava Sejave Prabhave Sarva Vidyanam Shambhave Gurave Namaha Guru Brahma Guru Vishnu Guru Devo Maheshwara Guru Sakshat Parabrahma Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Om Svarupa Svasvabhava Namo Namaha Om I bow to my own self. I bow to my Baba's own self. I bow to his Baba's own self. I bow to your own self your own essence, your own beingness. Oh, Shiva. Again and again I bow. Om Swarupa Swaswa Bhava Namo The greatest motivator. Pink. It's a great gift, you know. It motivates you to do something, to do something different. You're finally willing to try something new. Now, the trick is, is the new thing you're doing going to make you better or worse? It's good to find out the answer to this question before you do the new thing. That's the smart way to do it. For example, let's say you decide to quit eating sweets. So you decide to live on fruit and nuts. Well, that can send you to the hospital as well. I remember one young man who decided to live in the woods and only eat the fruit and nuts that fell off the trees in front of him. The next time I saw him, he lost a lot of weight. He was very hairy, but had lost too much weight and wasn't looking good. 
I urged him to get some regular meals. He wasn't listening. I hope he ended up sicker or in pain so that he would be motivated to do something more intelligent. Sometimes people say to me, my sister or my brother or spouse or friend or whoever is in so much pain. She feels better when she does yoga with me, but she won't take classes. I answer, unfortunately, the answer is that she has to hurt more. Pain, the greatest motivator, a gift from God. There's lots of information online about what motivates people. The biggies are money, achievement, recognition, information, particularly insider information, the opportunity to give or to help others, and the opportunity to grow. All of these are great things, but all of them added up together do not equal pain as a motivator. I will tell you, from the depths of my heart, I celebrate your pain. I care about how much it hurts and how hard it is. I know. But I also know that your pain will change you. Pain's transforming effect always makes you stronger. Strange, isn't it? You'd think that if you wanted to be stronger, you'd have to work out, or you'd have to tackle some huge project, or you'd have to win a trophy or something. But it's when you didn't win the trophy, and especially if it's painful to you that you didn't win the trophy, now you're really willing to look at yourself. We've seen this in the big sports stars, in the lives of famous entertainers, and maybe even in the lives of some family members for yourself. You learn more from failure than from success. You learn more from pain than from pleasure. And while I celebrate your pain, I don't rejoice in it. I know you want to get out of pain, and I want to help. And I know things that can help you. Yoga excels at pain relief. And Swarupa Yoga excels at eliminating the cause of your pain. I'm talking about physical pain, yes. And I'm talking about mental and emotional pain, yes. And I'm talking about psychic pain, as well as soul-level pain. I'm talking about the pain of your karmas coming to fruition. I'm talking about the pain you feel when you see others in pain. All forms of pain, all kinds of pain, Swarupa Yoga can help. That's a radical statement, I know. I've had doctors warn me, don't tell people you can cure them, even though you can't. Don't tell people that yoga can heal things that medicine cannot heal. You can be sent to jail for practicing medicine without a license. So I've been cautious for years, never saying, yes, this will heal you. Always saying, yes, this can heal you. When in fact, I know it will. If you will only do enough of it. I get it from Baba. I blame him. <laughs> he wrote, prana is the most important element in the body. 
When the prana leaves the body, it becomes worth only a few pennies. Really, what is this body? The latest estimate of its worth, based on the oxygen, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, calcium, and phosphorus in it, is $576. That's with inflation, I think. When I was a kid in elementary school, they told me it was worth 46 cents. A dead body is not worth much. It is your presence in your body that makes it valuable. It is your aliveness that is treasured by those you know, including me. Your own presence, your own beingness is what animates your body makes it a living body. This aliveness in Sanskrit is called prana. Prana is the energy of aliveness. When the flowers in a vase are drooping, they are less alive, they have less prana. You can add water to perk them up. But if you add water to a vase of dead flowers, they don't perk up. It was the prana in the water that enlivened them. It takes a little more to perk you up. You're a little more complex than a vase of flowers. There are more layers to your being, and they all need to be pranified to be enlivened. Prana is what keeps you alive, vibrant, healthy, even happy, and with a positive outlook on life. When you're feeling down and you do something to raise your pranic levels, you're suddenly in a better mood. Yoga excels at this. Yoga has so many things you can do to raise your pranic levels. We already did one, chanting. And I chose the chant so you would take deep breaths and have slow, long exhales. Shivoham, 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 Shivoham. All right, I'm running out. I could only get six. The flow of prana is closely entwined with the flow of your breath. Thus, one of the yogic practices that fills your pranic tank is called pranayama, doing a yogic breathing practice. We focus on ujjayi pranayama, a way of expanding your breath through long, slow breaths, especially in your exhale, like in our chant. Thus, chanting brings you more alive. Back to what Baba said. Prana is the most important element in the body. When the prana leaves the body, it becomes worth only a few pennies. Prana is what makes your body a living body. Prana makes your heart beat. It makes your eyes able to see. It makes your breath move. It's interesting that we use yogic breathing to move your prana, yet it is the prana that makes your breath move. Your breath is at a crossroads, a place where you can use the physical to affect the subtle. 
Your breath is physical, bringing oxygen into your lungs, expelling carbon dioxide. While your breath is physical, the pranic flow is more subtle. It's the energy of life itself, meaning it is energy. Prana is the enlivening force, the power of enlivenment, meaning it's a force, a power, a specific type of energy that feeds your body and mind. When you have low prana, you can't think. And even if you do, your thoughts are morose. When you fill up your pranic tank, your thoughts change and your body changes. How much? Baba made an extravagant promise. He explained that once you receive Shaktipat initiation, you have the energy of the cosmos moving through your spine. He said, as Kundalini moves through the Sushumna, she transforms the body and makes it fit for spiritual sadhana, spiritual upliftment. It is only after the body has been purified that the Shakti can work with full force. Now, here's the extravagant claim. The basis of all disease and pain is the impurities which block the flow of prana in the nadis. These blockages are caused by imbalances due to undisciplined habits of eating and immoderate living. He says you cause your own pain. Oh, yeah, that's not a surprise, really. Then he continues, explaining that this meditative energy flowing through your spine is the source of the prana that enlivens your body. This enlivening power flows through 720 million nadis, energy channels. As the nadis become filled with prana, the body becomes rejuvenated from within. It becomes strong and firm with all the suppleness of a child. Anywhere in your body that hurts, that is achy or sore, where you have pain or even a diagnosis of some kind, it's low on prana. And you can do something about that. You can breathe into it. You want to give it a try? Okay, now while I give you some breathing instructions, this is not a yogic breathing practice. It's about getting prana into an area that's low on prana. How do we know it's low on prana? Because it hurts. Pain calls your attention to that spot or that area and motivates you to do something about it. Pain is a great motivator. One more caution before we begin. While I give you breathing instructions, this is really not about oxygen and carbon dioxide. I'll be hopefully directing you in sending prana to that sore spot. So directing your breath is a way of directing your prana. Okay, so I'll tell you to put one or both hands on the painful spot. Maybe it's your neck or your shoulder. Maybe your knee or your hip. Maybe it's an area you don't want other people to see. So you've got the option of covering up with a blanket. 
I had you get extra blankets. So you can place one or both hands where needed. Got your spot? Just do one side, okay? If you have pain, for example, in both knees, just do one for now. You can do the other one later. Our experiment won't work if you fix them both in the next two minutes. Just do one side, like one side of your neck or one wrist or one elbow, not both. Let your breath be easy as you hold this area. A firm hold without pressure. You could even cultivate a loving touch as you hold this spot that gives you pain. You've been breathing while I was talking. So continue breathing, but slow your breath down and direct it through your body right into that spot. It could take you a few breaths to get the trick of it, but use a smooth, slow breath. You could even do a quiet ujjayi sound for those of you who know it, or just a slow, smooth breath in and out. When your breath comes in, you know it goes into your lungs. So imagine that you've installed a pathway, maybe like a small hose, where the stream of your breath can get all the way into your sore spot. And when you breathe out, breathe out from that same spot, filling slowly in with prana, emptying out the old used up prana, emptying out apana prana. Take your time with it. We're not in a rush. It can take a few breaths to get the feel of it. Like if it's your knee, maybe it feels like your knee is a balloon and you're slowly filling up the balloon. And as you exhale, your knee balloon slowly deflates. If you need an extra breath in between, that's fine. And then direct your stream of breath right into that sore spot. And emptying out from that same spot with your exhale. It needs to be a slow breath. This area is low on prana, like an old crusty sponge from under the sink. If you do a fast breath, like water, it splashes right off. You need to trickle the water onto the crusty sponge and give a little time for it to soften up and begin to absorb more. And empty out. Couple more slow breaths, taking your time with it. Letting that sore spot be filled with new prana, new life, new aliveness, coming alive again. Emptying out all the old, finished, used up stuff. Clearing the space for new life to fill in again. 
One more slow, nourishing breath. Now remove your hands and check it out. Wiggle, squirm, move around so you can feel how this spot feels. Do you need to stand up and move around a little bit to check it out? Assess your condition. How is that spot now? Raise your hand if you feel less pain there. Thank you. Raise your hand if it feels the same. Raise your hand if you have more pain in that spot. This can happen, though it is rare. It's because you got a little enlivening, just enough to feel what's really going on in there. And it's worse than you thought it was. And more prana will help it more. Baba said you can cure any condition with prana. I say, go to the doctor and do ujjayi pranayama. This is the starting point of every Swarupa yoga class. This is where we start in yoga therapy with anyone who's in pain. Ah, but the trick is to continue. We recommend 20 minutes of ujjayi pranayama daily for everyone. But if you need some healing, then do two sessions a day. I didn't teach you ujjayi pranayama. Ujjayi pranayama is a more full body breath. It's a lifestyle adding ujjayi pranayama to your life twice a day. It's a way to enliven your life. It's a way to support your body's healing process and a stable, steady inner state. Yes, you need meditation, but your body and mind need pranification every day. This is where most people fall down, is on the every day. I'll tell this story. Way back in the 1990s, I was teaching in San Diego. This was when the medical diagnosis, chronic fatigue syndrome, was just being defined. It was a very popular diagnosis and sent a lot of people to me asking for help. But because they were always tired and weak, they weren't working and had no money. So they couldn't take yoga classes. I decided to teach a free series so they could learn what to do for themselves. I ran some ads in the local paper and handed out flyers to students to see if they knew anybody who had chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia, another new diagnosis at the time. I ended up with 35 students in the free classes once a week for four weeks. I had billed it as custom design for people with chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, very popular Southern California diagnoses. In the first class, I explained about prana in more detail than I've done here, for I had 90 minutes with them. And then I taught them ujjayi pranayama. They did the breathing practice for 20 minutes. Then I had everyone sit up and talk about it. They felt so much better. They looked so much better. When they stood up, they stood taller. They walked with a little spring in their step. Yes, I knew it would work. So I reminded them 
Now you know how. Now do this twice a day and come back next week. I have more to offer, stuff that will give your life back to you again. I felt really good about it. Like I'd done something that would really help. I was looking forward to the class next week. Three people came. Only three. I was shocked. Where was everyone else? The three who came had been doing their breathing practice twice daily and reported improvements in every area of their life. So we went over Ujjayi Pranayama again to reinforce their experience. Third week, all 35 students were back. I welcomed them, probably not very diplomatically, and said, where were you? What happened? They, almost all of you missed week two of a freeze series. They answered one at a time. I made everyone answer. And every one of them said, I felt so good. I thought I didn't need the series. They did 20 minutes of breathing one evening and it filled their tank for two weeks. What if they did it every day? I postulated the possibility for them and then reviewed Ujjayi Pranayama again. What if you breathe? The average 80-year-old breathes only half as much as the average 30-year-old. Just imagine if you currently breathed only half as much air as you usually get now, how would you feel? No wonder they are tired and cranky and live in pain. Pain, even disease, is rooted in a lack of prana. That area of your body is, let's say, dying on the vine. It needs more prana. Now, prana is not breath. Prana is the enlivening power of consciousness itself. Prana is the subtle energy that makes your body be a living body. And prana moves your breath. And prana moves with your breath. So you can use your breath to move your prana. Let's look for the difference between prana and breath. I'll talk you through a process of looking inward at a simple, superficial level, really, not as deep as the self just at the level of prana. And you can see how it works for you. Sit up. If you're in a chair, sit on the front edge of your seat. Your spine will straighten up easily. Scoot forward. Almost to where you're falling off the front edge of the chair. These chairs have a little hole in the back. So move to the front ridge. Yeah. Put both feet flat on the floor, side by side. And you can move them a little forward or a little back. See if you can get your big toes to touch. This will lift and straighten your spine easily when you're perched here on the edge of the seat. Now take a slow, long breath. This is not Ujjayi Pranayama, just a long, smooth breath. And an easy, smooth exhale. Another slow, long breath. Smooth it out. And after that, one more smooth, slow breath, smooth, easy emptying. 
And now let your breath move in its own easy way. And watch your breath. Especially watch at the end of each breath. Just before your breath moves, there's something subtle that moves inside. It starts your breath moving. At the end of your breath, when you're finishing the flow of air, there's something that keeps moving just a little longer than your breath goes. That's prana moving, extending beyond your breath. Just before your next breath movement starts, there's a subtle flow. Prana moves first, which starts your breath. It's there on the inside. It's there on the outside. It's there on your inhale. It's there on your exhale. It's the non-breath breath that extends beyond the edges of your breath. Before your breath moves, and extending after your breath ends. It might be easier for you to find at the end of your breath. Or perhaps it's easier for you to find before your breath begins. One will be easier than the other. Maybe it's easier for you with your inhalation. Maybe with your exhalation. Your own pranic flow. It's there before your inhale and continues after the end of your inhale. It arises before your exhale and continues after the end of your exhale. Find the prana, the energy of life itself. the sacred power of your own aliveness. Another breath or two. Om Namah Shivaya. Baba said, the basis of all disease and pain 
is the impurities which block the flow of prana in the nadis, blocking the flow of aliveness in your energy channels. Prana is the most important element in the body. When the prana leaves the body, it becomes worth only a few pennies. How do you become pain-free? You need more prana. How do you become more alive? You need more prana. And how do you get more prana? Yes, ujjayi pranayama will help. And meditation will help. And mantra. Oh. You see, if you spend your day thinking about your problems or about your past or about your worries and fears, your pranic tank will be empty by the end of the day. If you do mantra instead, you'll be filling your tank all day long. I've had people recently tell me that they love the Japa Club, where I get on Zoom to lead you through five minutes of mantra repetition. They say they join in twice daily, and it's like they pressed their own reset button. So I have to ask, what happened to you in between the two Japa sessions that you're so bad off again? A few hours later, you need your reset button pushed. Maybe do more mantra without me as your babysitter? Or wait until you have more pain and they can slap a diagnosis on it. Then everyone will understand that your whining and complaints are justified. But, but, but you're still living in pain. And that is so easy to change. What do you have to do? Let your pain motivate you. Pain is the greatest motivator. Do more yoga. Do more ujjayi pranayama. Do more mantra. Do more chanting. Do more meditation. All of this is summarized in this short little sutra taken from the sage Patanjali. Do more yoga. Om Swarupa Swaswa Bhava Namo Namah.